Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Life Coach and Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 50, Taking 1% Responsibility. I had a couple of experiences over the weekend that I wanted to share with you, and one was running into a friend. This is a friend I knew in Texas when I lived in the Houston area. Just a couple of months after Carrie and David died in 2007, my oldest daughter was engaged to her boyfriend. She became engaged and they decided they were going to get married at the end of the year. And I was in no condition to plan a wedding. (laughs) I was in just horrific shape, physically, mentally, emotionally, and in every way. And I had a good friend who had been a good friend to my daughter as well. And she offered to help me plan the wedding. In fact, she offered her home for the reception and she offered to, to basically help me do everything. And so one day she said, let's, let's meet. I have another friend that wants to help. And I thought, I don't even know this person. You know, why, why does she want to help? But it was, but it was such a nice gesture. And so we got together and I met Ellen for the first time when um, Jen invited me to her house to kind of sit down and plan the wedding and what we wanted for the reception and so forth. And Ellen was there and she offered to do a lot of the food and to help with the food prep. And, and I just thought, what a beautiful thing to help somebody the way that she was helping me, not really knowing me. You know, we had a mutual friend and she knew of our tragedy and she was just willing to help. And it was, it just meant so much to have basically a complete stranger open her heart to, to me and to our family and to help with the preparations. And so she was there. She was there at the wedding and she helped with um, the food and she helped putting the food out and it was, it was beautiful. And, and I, and I'm forever grateful for her and for my friend Jen, who, who did so much to make all of that happen. It was, I, I couldn't have done it without him. Like I literally could not have done it without him. The other experience I had this weekend was I was, we, we have a new business. So we, we have this chiropractic business and we have two locations and we just opened a third location in Southern Utah. And so at our third location, we were having our grand opening event. So we were having this celebration at the clinic. And one of the things that we did was we gave away a big screen TV. It was a drawing for a big screen TV. And there was a gentleman, an uh, an older, well, not really older, but a gentleman that came in and he had gone to the, the front desk and he had, he had gotten his paperwork and he had turned in his, he'd filled out his paperwork and he turned it in and he was sitting there waiting. And I overheard him saying, while I was sitting in the lobby, I heard, overheard him saying kind of to himself and to the, the woman next to him, they're not really giving that TV away. That's just a ploy to get people to come in, but they're not really giving that TV away. Well, I overheard this. And of course, I'm one of the owners and I know we're giving the TV away. We gave one away on our opening weekend three weeks before. And I was actually there when the couple who won it came and picked it up. So, 
So of course I, I spoke up and I said, yeah, we actually are giving the TV away. That, that's, I mean, it's illegal to, to, to publish, you know, to say that you're going to give something away that you have a drawing for something and not actually give it away. And he says, well, a lot of businesses, they just put these things out there and they don't actually give it away. And I thought, boy, what a, what a sad way to think to be that, to be that cynical about things. And then as he, as the, the morning progressed and he, he was seen by the doctor and came back out and he said, and I said, well, you know, have a good day. I was just, you know, being polite and offering him some, some refreshments and to spin the wheel and so forth. And I said, you know, have a good day. And he says, well, I'm not going to have a good day. That's just not going to happen. I, you know, and, and it was just this, boy, I had never seen such an example of somebody who was just, had just decided that they were going to be unhappy and they were going to be unhappy forever. And that was just the way it was. And it reminded me of the book that I had been reading, which was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Dr. Susan Jeffers. And in this one chapter, she talks about, you know, this kind of the victim mentality, I guess, which we've talked about before, but she gives this example of a woman named Tanya. And Tanya was always sick, uh, which interfered with the things that she wanted to do. And she saw herself as this unfortunate being who was just always sick, who was always, who was in an unhealthy body. So uh, Dr. Jeffers writes, in one of my workshops, I asked the group to list the payoffs for staying stuck in whatever it was that was bothering them. Tanya could find no payoffs for being sick all the time until the group helped her out. They pointed out to her that her illness got her a lot of attention and that it kept her from having to put herself out there in the world and take any risks. She denied it at first, but finally was able to acknowledge that there was some truth in what they were saying. So Dr. Jeffers goes on to write that when she, when she realized her payoffs for being ill, Tanya was able to choose. Did she want to get attention for being sick all of her life? Or did she want to find a more satisfying way of relating to people and to her life goals? Did she always want to be an observer of life rather than a participant? She chose the latter and sickness is no longer an issue in her life. And so Dr. Jeffers goes on to say, say from these case studies, because she gave a couple other examples as well, you can see the power that hidden payoffs can have in our lives. They are not difficult to discover once you realize they exist. Anytime we have something we can look at and see if there's possibly a hidden payoff. One of the things that Dr. Jeffers recommended was taking responsibility means figuring out what you want in life and acting on it. She says, most of us do not sculpt our lives. We accept what comes our way. Then we gripe about it. Many of us spend our lives waiting, waiting for the perfect mate, waiting for the perfect job, waiting for the perfect friends to come along. There is no need to wait for anyone to give you anything in your life. You have the power to create what you need. Given commitment, clear goals, and action is just a matter of time. And I will add to that, you know, given she says commitment, goals, and action, but it all starts with our thoughts. So just like this gentleman who was just grumbly and sad all the time, his thoughts were, I can't be happy. 
His thoughts were, my life is too difficult to be happy. Then I compare that to my friend Ellen that I ran into, and her thoughts were, I can make a difference in the world. I can do good things because I certainly was the recipient of that. So taking responsibility means being aware of where and when we are not taking responsibility so that you can eventually change. And in the grief recovery method, they talk about this idea of taking 1% responsibility. They really talk about how we have been falsely socialized to believe that we are victims of events. So this is exactly what it says in the grief recovery handbook. We have been falsely socialized to believe that we are victims of events and helpless in our responses to those events, as well as to the thoughts, feelings, and actions of others. Therefore, we inevitably believe that the rain is exclusively responsible for our disappointment. Most people are advised to just let it go or told that what's done is done. It would be ideal if the human brain and human heart could simply dismiss problems and move on, but it does not work that way. Nothing can change until you take responsibility for your own recovery. To assist you in breaking the habit of feeling 100% a victim of a loss, we are going to ask you to adopt a new idea. We ask you to take 1% responsibility for your part of what is incomplete. Inasmuch as a small key can unlock a large door, 1% responsibility can open your head and your heart to the path of recovery. Taking responsibility means that instead of saying things like, I can be happy when so-and-so does this, or I would be happy if so-and-so didn't do this, or, you know, those types of statements that we create in our mind. And that's how we've been socialized to believe that our results or our reactions are outside of us. So-and-so made me angry. So-and-so ruined my day. I'd be okay if so-and-so hadn't done such and such to me. And this all kind of starts with our families when, you know, our mom says to us, you make me happy or you make me so proud. Or, or even we might even hear from a parent, you know, you make me angry when you do such and such. And so this gives us the idea. It starts this idea that other people are responsible for how we feel. Other people are responsible for how we think, that there's no other choices. If we think about when we kind of step off, like if you think about when a bad day starts or a bad week starts or a bad month starts, and we kind of step off the path, the, 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 we get derailed, if you will. Um, we start to recognize after a while, if we, if we pay attention, we can start to recognize what derails us. What are the thoughts that come up? What are the situations that cause us to be derailed? So if we can start to recognize when, if we're not recognizing what happens is something happens. We might have a person in our life that, that triggers us. We might have a person that we, that always we feel like, oh, they don't understand me or they don't know me or, or whatever the case may be. And so that kind of sends us on this spin out and we kind of step off and we just plunge and it just, and we, and we go, we kind of drop 
to the bottom. We drop to the bottom and it just is super painful. And eventually we kind of work our ways back out, but then we find ourselves stepping off again. Something similar happens and we step off again and we find ourselves plunging and plunging to the depth of this, this horrific cycle that we've created. If we can recognize where we're getting derailed, if we can recognize what's happening, if we can even recognize what thoughts we're having that's creating this derailment, then this awareness and this, this thought about what's, what's happening can help us to make that cycle smaller and smaller. So we might step off, but we start recognizing why we've stepped off the, the path, why we've been derailed. And then because of our recognition, because of our awareness, and because of our efforts to improve, we can step back on the path quicker. We can make that cycle smaller and smaller with an awareness and continuous improvement. Just recently, I realized that one of the turning points for me in my horrific grief was when I wrote down, I started write, writing down some of the really ugly, horrible things, thoughts in my head. I wrote down some of these and I, it was shocking to see them on paper. And when I could get them out on paper, I could really see what I was dealing with. And I don't, I personally don't think that all these thoughts come from our own mind. Some are planted there, I believe, by dark forces. So if you believe in good and evil, like I do, you know that there's good forces in the world and there are evil forces in the world. And I think some of these thoughts that come into our mind when we're most vulnerable are planted there, not by our own mind, but by evil forces. You can take that or leave that, but that's just my own, own thoughts on that. And so when we can, when we can get those out of our head and on paper and we can see what we're dealing with, it diffuses it. It diffuses it to a certain extent. Here's some more thoughts from the grief recovery handbook. What ruins the picnic? The rain or one's attitude about the rain? This is a trick question. The answer is both. The rain really does ruin the picnic, but you cannot do anything about the rain. You can only deal with your reaction to the rain. The same is true of almost all losses. What causes my grief? The loss or my reaction to the loss? Again, the answer is both. While we cannot undo what has happened, we can do something about our reaction. We can acquire skills to help us complete our relationship to the pain, disappointment, frustration, and heartache caused by what has happened. So when I talk about taking 1% responsibility, I'm talking about taking 1% responsibility to our reaction. How are we responding? How can we take a little more responsibility for our responses to our thoughts, to our feelings, instead of looking outside of ourselves and examining how other people are responding, can we do some self-evaluation? Can we take 1% responsibility? I invite you to do that this week, 
Think about how you can take 1% responsibility to your response. If you would like some assistance, if you'd like some help in applying these things that we learn here on the podcast, be sure and email me at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com and we can set up a time to talk. If you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to the Build a Life After Loss podcast and give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.